0: I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. First Corinthians 12, we'll begin reading in a moment, in verse number 4. Thank you for being here tonight. I want to remind you to continue to pray for our Kids Jam. As we kick off Friday evening at 6, bells, 7, 7 o'clock on Friday, 6, Saturday, and then Sunday, we want to get out and reach these young children for the Lord. Bring your kids, bring your grandkids. Bring the Mead kids in the neighborhood, get them saved. And I know that. I think it was Maria that said that you rode the bus as a young girl. Is that right? Maria, someone brought her to church, so in the church van, in a church van. And she was reached she was reached with the gospel through, through that. I want to share something with you this evening that is on my heart. We shared uh, a little last week out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to move a little longer in uh, what I would consider just an amazingly rich part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now what we do know about the Corinthian church is this. We know that the Spirit of God was moving mightily in the church. We know that in the first chapter it says they became behind no one in any gift. I mean, all these gifts were flowing so greatly and so mightily. But there were some things out of order, and Paul's going to set those things in order. But tonight I want to talk about... These gifts of the Holy Spirit in chapter 12 and beginning in verse 4. Certainly, I trust this will be on the screen. It reads like this. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. So in other words, when the Spirit of God is working in the church, He's going to work in different ways. And there's different ministries, different manifestations of the Lord. We're going to read about some of those in just a moment. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit doing it. It's the same Lord, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three in one are, are the ones that are doing it. And then he says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit. I like that. I actually like that more than gifts. And I'll talk about that in a moment, I trust that. But the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit for the profit of all. And no one, for for, for to, I'm sorry, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of wisdom is not just wisdom gained by age, but this is supernatural. All these gifts are spiritual manifestations, and all of these gifts here recorded by Paul are supernatural gifts. A word of wisdom. Is wisdom that God imparts to someone to solve a problem. You know, for instance, when in Egypt, when Joseph, when God used Joseph to tell them how to make it through the famine, he saved the whole nation of Israel, and thus the real goal was to save the little nation of Israel because Christ would come through the nation of Israel, through the Jewish people, Hebrew people. And God gave Joseph and said, Keep back a fifth, and and the Lord gave Joseph a word of wisdom. And he gave him a, a, a word of knowledge in a sense of what would come. A word of knowledge is a knowledge of something that cannot be known in the natural, that's not known in the natural, that the Lord reveals, knowledge and wisdom. And then, of course, there is uh, another faith. This is not saving faith. This is special faith. This is supernatural faith that moves mountains. To another, gifts of healings. Notice that it's not singular, but it's plural. Many diseases And and the Lord's the healer of all of them. He can heal gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. Miracles would be things like Jesus walking on the water. It would be like the sun standing still for Joshua. It would be things that have to do with with turning back the course of nature, transcending, if you will, the course of nature, the natural laws that the Lord has put in. The God made those laws. He can supersede those laws. He is a miracle God, and there is miracles. To another, I, I, I uh, actually read about a miracle. I heard a man testify about an incredible miracle back in the 50s that actually the FBI investigated. And because of certain circumstances, I won't go into all that, but the FBI actually investigated it. The doctor had literally taken a man's lung out and and several parts of his body because of infirmity and things that he was going through. God did a creative miracle, put all that stuff back in, and uh, incredible. Even the FBI investigated it on the deal. It said uh, it's a bona fide miracle. God is a God of miracles. And then of course prophecy, which is inspired speech. Not, not a written sermon, but it's inspired speech. Well, God will anoint someone to speak a word of what? Uh, edification, exhortation, and comfort. And then a gift that we, a manifestation, we certainly need another discerning of spirits. We certainly need that in this day. That's that's an anointing, a manifestation that allows someone to know what spirit is operating through someone. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it a demon spirit? Is it just carnal, carnality? The Lord can give us that sense of understanding. And then to another, different kinds of tongues. I was uh, reading uh, the other day and of someone in another country, the Presbyterian church, Holy Spirit falls on them. No one in the church spoke English except one guy, and a lady got filled with the Holy Spirit that did not speak English, but her tongue was English. He heard her in English speaking in tongues. So most of the time when we speak with tongues, it is a language that you don't know, you don't understand it, but I've actually been in a service where I spoke with tongues, and somebody knew what I was saying. And God can do that. Different kinds of tongues. And then the companion gift here is the interpretation of tongues, which gives the sense. It's not, it's not a translation, but it gives, God will give an anointing when somebody speaks in a public tongue. And I do believe there's a private, a private use of tongues for every believer and the public use of tongues where it needs to be interpreted. And uh, that gives the sense and the meaning of what's being said, of what God uh, wants to communicate there. Verse 11 But to one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one severally as he will. So, Father, we ask your blessing on the reading of your word. Give us understanding. Lord, begin to use us in these gifts. God, begin to let us desire and hunger after these gifts that you have provided. These manifestations. Manifest your presence, Father, among us. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, let's talk about... I have actually have kind of two titles, The Gifts of the Spirit, but I actually like this, The Manifestations of the Spirit, plural, The Manifestations of the Spirit. When, when the Lord begins to manifest Himself in, among the people of the Lord, He does it through these manifestations. This is, this is how God does it. We're going to talk about this. First, uh, verse 7 again, but the manifestation, look at that, verse 7, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit all. So when, when the Holy Spirit begins to move among us, what happens is he does it for a very specific purpose. There's a very specific reason that God anoints people with these manifestations. God moves on people. And in, verse, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says this, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, come together in the worship service, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. And, and then he says this, let all things be done for what? Say it, for the edification. So when, when the Spirit of God moves, he wants the body to be built up through, how, through whatever he gives. And what I want us to know tonight is this, when, when we as Christians, when we as the believers, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know what we become? we become the source of of tremendous blessing to others in the body of Christ. Too much selfishness in our world. We need to begin to think like God wants us to think, that when we come, you know, we don't just come to get, well, I've got to go to that church and get filled up. Well, I've got to go, I'm I'm barely hanging by a string, I need to make it to Wednesday night. No, is that the way we are? No, what about going into your prayer closet before you come to church, get on your knees, pray in the Spirit for 30 minutes or so, come so full of the Holy Spirit that all of a sudden, you become a vessel poured out. You become someone that becomes a tremendous blessing to the body of Christ. That's the will of God. Notice this. When you come together, I I would just ask it this way. Look at it again. I would ask it this way. When when we come together, do you have a psalm for us? Did you even think about it? Do you have a teaching for us? Do you have a tongue for us? Do you have a revelation for us? Do you have an interpretation for us? Has anyone come thinking that way? Probably not. Maybe a few. I don't know. I'm not, not saying. I don't know. But I know this. That God wants to move through all of us so that we can be edified. That we can all be strengthened. We can all be built up. Now there's there's the different, there's three different groups of gifts here. I've just read this to you. Turn over in Romans quickly. Romans chapter 12. I'm gonna glance at this. Romans 12 and verse number six. There's another group of gifting. I'm gonna talk about these a moment and show what these are. First, I'm sorry, Romans 12, verse number. 6. This is NIV I have here. I, probably, I grabbed this Bible. I've actually got the NIV, or, or New King James in my notes and I grabbed my NIV Bible here, but that's all right. It'll be close. Romans 12 verse number 6 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace that is given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. That's another set of gifts. Now, in Ephesians chapter number 4, there's, in verse 11, there's another groupings of gifts. It says in verse 11, Ephesians 4, verse number 11, it was he, that he is Jesus. It was Jesus who gave some to be what? Apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and some to be teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we have three different giftings, three different groupings here And there's some other places that mentioned a few others. But these are the three New Testament places where the gifts are talking about. But they're different. They're not the same. These gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12 that we're, we're, we're going to brush over and look at this evening are not the same as the Romans gifts and are not the same as the Ephesian gifts. Now here's how they differ. These that we've, that we've kind of explained briefly are manifestations Okay, they're not offices, but they're manifestations. When the Holy Spirit will come on someone and they may prophesy a word of edification, exhortation, government. They may, the Holy Spirit may come on someone after someone speaks in a public tongue and they give the sense and meaning with the interpretation. Or someone, the Spirit of God may reveal supernaturally a word of wisdom of how to accomplish and solve something that they don't know what to do. Or a word of knowledge. The Lord may reveal something supernaturally to someone. Those are manifestation. These gifts, the other gifts in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. are, are more. Seem to me to be more permanent. I would call them almost life motivations. Uh, for, for instance, like, like this. It's like this. If... If, you, if the Holy Spirit comes on you and you have a word of exhortation or comfort or encouragement for the people through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit manifests that, that doesn't mean you hold the office of a prophet. Does that make sense? So the manifestation gift is different than the office of a prophet. The Romans 12, you see the office of the prophet. In Ephesians 4, you see the office of a prophet. It's different than the manifestation gift. Those, those manifestation gifts seem to be temporary, as the Spirit of God will anoint someone for a moment, for a service, for a time. But the offices are more callings and more permanent and more life callings and life motivations. So in the First Corinthians 12 gifts, it, 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 we don't have every gift there. But what, what we see is, as you look in verse 4, you see there's diff- diversities of gifts. There's different gifts. Think about that. Then he says in verse 5, there's different ministries that people have. Verse six, different activities. And we see these things there. We see that God works in a variety of ways. And we see at times that these gifts can work in combination together. The word of wisdom can, can sometimes work together with the word of knowledge. Uh, the, the faith can work with miracles, faith can also work with the gifts of healings. They can combine together. You don't always need a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, you may just need a word of knowledge. How would I explain it in 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 simple terms? In natural, I would explain it this way. Let's say that let's say that you didn't know, you didn't know where your car keys were, and then somebody said, "Okay, yeah, here are the car keys." Well, that's all you need. You don't need someone to tell you how to turn the. Okay, now plug it. In. You don't need the word. You don't need the wisdom. Sometimes we need the knowledge, and we and then we have the knowledge. We know what to do. But other times we need supernatural wisdom to solve those difficult problems to advance the church, to advance the gospel, to advance the work of God. And so those are just some simple illustrations there. So I'm going to give you quickly four, four simple things that have to do with these gifts. I think I'll come back next week uh, and, and list each of these gifts and give you an example from Scripture. I won't do that tonight. So first thing I want you to see is this. The gifts operate according to the will of the Holy Spirit. These gifts that I've read to you, the, the gifts I've read, and I kind of explained, those operate according to the will of the Holy Spirit. And normally it's according see, to the, of the need of the church. Look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. 12, 11. But, but one and the same Spirit works, notice, He works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Why does He distribute these gifts, word of wisdom, maybe word of knowledge, whatever, however He's working? Why does the Holy Spirit distribute these as He wills? And the answer is He knows exactly what's going on in every life, He knows exactly what's going on in every congregation. He knows if they need a prophecy, He knows if they need gifts of healing. He knows if they need words of knowledge or word of wisdom. He knows if they need a tongue and interpretation. Now, now there's a difference. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this later. Uh, I believe there's a, there's a difference, and you know, I've heard people say that tongue and interpretation equals a prophecy. You know, I don't believe that. I believe these are distinct gifts. Prophecy is inspired utterance. Prophecy is a message to the people, but tongues is a message to God. He that speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to to God. So if a tongue is to God, wouldn't it, wouldn't it seem like the interpretation would be to God? And I'll talk about that later. Let just chew on that. Well, I'll just say this. 2.11 Acts says we hear them, we hear them speaking in tongues and magnifying the wonderful works of God. So prophecy has a function toward the believer, and tongues, interpretation has a function to lift the church toward God. With with an interpretation. And we'll talk about that. But see, the reason it's according to need is the Holy Spirit knows it's what's going on in the congregation. I read this week or today in Revelation 1 where it says that Jesus is walking among the candlesticks. And then I read, I thought, the Lord took me to Revelation 2 and 3. In every one of the seven churches, it says, I know your works. I know your works. Seven times, I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. And then at the church that was suffering, the church at Smyrna, he knew exactly where they were suffering. He knew exactly what's going to happen. And the Lord knows what's happening in our church. He knows the gifts that we need poured out in our lives. And so these gifts are poured out according to the needs of a church. It's also poured out according to the condition of believers. Now look at chapter 14, verse 1. And I'm glad I have this translation because I love it. This is a great translation. Follow the way of love. And this, this translation says, that one says desire. But this one says eagerly desire, which gets to the meaning. Not just desire, but eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So what happens is where there is desire, where there is a uh, warm, fervent desire in our hearts, God will move greatly. You remember this verse? "Therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them." Many times the gifts are not moving, it's because we're not desiring them. We're not seeking them. We're not on our face before God, crying out to God for these gifts. And the Spirit is manifest when we're fervently seeking Him. Matthew, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen? Amen? Luke said it this way. Listen, Jesus said these words in direct correlation to the movement and manifestation of the Holy Spirit among His people. Jesus said in Luke 11, For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be open. If a son of yours asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give gifts gifts to your children, how much more, listen, how much more will your heavenly Father give who? Give Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him. Notice this, notice The connecting with the asking is not this passive, this passionless prayer, but it's asking and keeping at. It's seeking. It's knocking. It's thirsting after God. And as we do, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit shows up in our services. Holy Spirit begins to manifest. Tongues and interpretation happen in the life group. Uh, Prophecies begin to go forth. People begin to be healed. Why? Because we've sought and we've asked and we've knocked on his door and he poured out the Holy Spirit. So these gifts operate according to the will of the Holy Spirit. He knows the need. And what we need to do is make sure we're seeking after the Lord in these. Secondly is this. Secondly is we should desire gifts. Notice this, plural. Gifts. Not just one gift. So think about this. I believe that we should hunger... To be used of God in greater ways than we've ever been used before. There should should be in us that we should want to be a greater blessing to the body of Christ than we've ever been before. So notice how he says it here. verse Chapter 12, verse 31. This is NIV. It says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. You ever wonder what the greater gifts are? I'm going to show you what they are. But eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the, more ex- the most excellent way. And of course, the most excellent way for the gifts of the Spirit to flow are out of love. And then we come to the great love chapter, where it talks about if we do all these things and have all these gifts and all these supernatural manifestations, moving mountains and all of this, but if you don't have love, you're what? You're a sounding, tinkling cymbal, you know, and, and that's, that's not good. And then he talks about love, patient, kind, and all this. And that's the atmosphere that the gifts of the Spirit flow mightily. Where the love of God is, where we fall on our face before we come to service. We start thinking about others hurting in the body of Christ. So we, and the Holy Spirit just groans within us, and we groan with Him. And, and we feel that love, and we feel that real care for the body. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit begins to manifest and anoint us to bring encouragement. But notice these greater gifts. He said, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So what are the greater gifts? Is the greater gift word of wisdom? Is that it? Word of knowledge? Is it miracles? Is it tongues? Is it prophecy? What are the greater gifts? If it says desire the greater gifts, you should think, well, it should tell us, well, Paul, which one is it? Because that's the one I want. I want the greater gifts. Well, what is it? Well, if you read on into chapter 14, you get an insight into what the greater gifts are. And it's it's not just one gift. But it's, it's, it's looking at it a certain way. Now, let's just read five verses of chapter 14. First Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gift, gifts, plural, gifts. See, what do you want? Do you want just one gift or do you want to use in the gifts? Why do we believe? Why have we believed that a person has to be used in just one gift and they're locked into that for life? I don't believe that. It says here, pray that desire the spiritual gifts. Desire them. And then it says, Especially, there's one especially that you should desire. Especially that you may prophesy. So is prophecy the greater gift? Here, maybe, but not necessarily. I think what Paul's doing here, he's, he's giving us an example of what a greater gift would be. So he's comparing here, look at this, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue... Now here he's talking about publicly. Now let's say that I stood here and for 40 minutes or so I just spoke in tongues. Nobody would get anything out of that. Except me, maybe. So that's not what we do right now. We don't speak in tongues during the sermon. We speak our native tongue. Why? Because we're speaking the words of God. We're we're, we're, we're explaining and expounding Scripture. Scripture. So so notice this. For he that speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Notice. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies what? Himself. That's a good thing. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So Paul's talking here He's not talking about getting rid of tongues. Nowhere in 1 Corinthians 14 will you ever hear Paul saying it's bad and we need to get rid of it. In fact, in verse 39 he says forbid not to speak with tongues. He's trying to get the church at Corinth mature enough that they function in the love of God and they're walking in the manifestation in such a mature way the church is growing and being built up and needs are being met and God's being glorified. But notice this again. Verse 4, he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. Now notice, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Now notice this. For he who prophesies is greater. He's greater than what? Than he who speaks with tongues. Unless, unless, indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So what, are the, what is the greater gift? Paul said in verse twelve thirty-one, chapter 12, 31, desire the greater gifts. What are the greater gifts then? Is it prophecy? Not necessarily. What the greater gift is, is what is the most pressing need that's going to minister to someone at that moment? What, what is the most maximum way that we can minister to someone else? Here, it was prophecy. Prophecy is greater than just tongues without it being interpreted because it doesn't minister to anyone. I think what the Lord is saying here, he that serves is great. He that ministers to another is great in the sight of God. He that serves is great. He that humbles himself and ministers. It may be prophecy. Why? Because that person is thinking about another's need. They're loving that person. I mean, we're, we skipped chapter 13, but from chapter 13, from chapter 12, the end, it talks about greater gifts. Chapter 14 talks about the greater is the one who prophesied. But that person has gone through chapter 13. And they're walking the love of God. They're manifesting these gifts as the Spirit gives, gives those manifestations. So we should desire gifts. Not just one gift. But we should, be, be desi- we should desire to be used by God in the greater gifts. And to me... The greater gift is what brings maximum ministry to others. And in that illustration, it was prophecy was greater than tongues. And you see the case. Number three. Two, two more quickly. Number three. Just because someone is used powerfully in the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit does not mean that that person is more spiritual than others in the church. Now I want you to think about that. I want you to meditate on that. Because we don't believe it most of the time. But it's the truth. I I would tell you that Jesus has no rival. He will have no rival. I read of a minister one time that the Lord spoke to his heart. And he said, I want you to go pray for a sick lady at her house. And he said, I'm going to heal this lady. I'm going to supernaturally heal her. And I command you not to tell one living soul. And he prayed for that person, and the Lord healed that person. And what's the first thing we want to do? We're itching to tell someone. Some people have nothing private in their lives. Nothing private. Everything that God does. They're on Facebook, and they're live, and they're this, and they're that. And what I want to tell you is this. When God used someone in, the, in a gift of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean they're more spiritual than anyone else in the body. Why is that? And here's the reason why. The reason why is because, you know, the Scripture says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. God won't have any rivals in the church. I want you to remember this about the gifts of the Spirit. They're charismatic gifts. That means grace. Charis means grace. All the gifts of the Spirit... All these manifestations, no matter how spectacular they may seem, they may raise someone from the dead, but these are charismatic gifts. These are grace gifts, and they're not given because someone's a super saint. They're simply given by grace. They're not given by merit. They're not given because someone, oh, well, they're holier than anyone else, so therefore they're used. They must be the holiest person in the church. Nope, not necessarily. Remember Samson? Samson could tear bars off the the gates of a cities and carry them uh, up a hill and put them on a hill. But remember how carnal he was? Extraordinarily carnal. And yet he was powerfully and mightily used by the Lord. Here's what I would say to you in reference to the gifts when we think about this. A truly spiritual person will have these characteristics. Galatians says but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such there is no law. So these are good markers here. These are good checkpoints here for us. Am I full of the Holy Spirit? How much love do you have? Are you full of joy? Do you have patience, peace, kindness, etc.? See, this this is what real maturity is here. The gifts of the Spirit can be manifest in the most immature person or the most mature person. That's not a sign of maturity. That's a grace gift. That's a charis gift. And so... Those gifts don't elevate a person. So don't elevate someone that may be used a certain way. These are the things we look for right here in Galatians chapter 5. All right? Now here's the last thing. And these are just, these are just ideas and thoughts about surrounding the gifts of the Spirit. We'll come back later and we'll, we'll list all the gifts mentioned as I've read and i commented on them. But we'll come back and mention them. But look at, look at the fourth thought. Gifts and manifestation of the Spirit can be imitated by Satan or those who pretend to be the servants of Christ. Now the Bible is very clear about this. Now we live in a very spiritual age, getting more spiritual all the time. We live in an an, an incredible spiritual age. New age is on the rise. We have a lady right now running for president that is highly in the new age. Running for president. She's on the Democratic ticket. She's talking on TV. She's Oprah's friend. A lot of spiritual people, not of God though. People that can predict the future, not of God though. So what do we do here? We need, we, if we ever need a gift, we need discerning of spirits in this day. Listen to the scripture, I'm almost done. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many, this is Jesus talking, not exaggerating. He said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders, that's miracles, in your name. And then I will declare to them. I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness so these people were not living in obedience to the scripture they're not we're not living under the lordship of Christ and yet somehow it seems they were doing these things or at least pretending look at Matthew 24:11 here's Jesus again then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many 2 Corinthians 11 For such, Paul says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his, notice, his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works." 2 Thessalonians 2 says, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy it with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because, notice, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. They want, they've got miracles. They got signs and wonders. They weren't from God. They were deceived by this, but they wouldn't follow this. I mean, what if someone comes along and can, can do miracles? You know, we saw the testimony. I don't know if you saw the testimony of the guy that Satan deceived him through New Age and began to lie to him and tell them there was no hell and deceived him. And thank God the Lord rescued him. So how do we know the truth? We stay with this right here. We stay with the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. We need to, we need to test the spirits. We need to test the spirits. Uh, 1 John 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, 21. Do not despise prophecies. Don't despise them. But what do we do? Test all things. Hold to what is good. Amen. We want God's presence. We want his supernatural. We want all of these beautiful gifts because everything the Holy Spirit does is awesome. It's beautiful. And I've been privileged to be used by the Lord in these gifts, many of these gifts, uh, word of knowledge, uh, word of wisdom. At times, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I'll close with this: the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I was ministering in a church. Some of you've heard this. If you hadn't, uh, be patient. I was. My wife and I were ministering in a church in Mississippi. I'd never been in this church. Didn't know anyone in the church. Didn't hardly know the name of the church. Didn't know the pastor's name would didn't know anyone in the church. It would be like me walking in a church and did not know anyone. We were scheduled there. Somebody else had gotten the meeting for us and just north of Gulfport, Mississippi. And we were, went there to minister. So we, were, we had some prayer times, uh, a prayer time on Friday night. And, and I, I, I had the people gather Saturday morning. And on Saturday morning, I gave the strangest devotion that morning that I have ever given in my life. I won't even tell you what it is. I've never given it again since that day. It was the weirdest, the strangest, and I was like, Lord, what in the world? And I I gave a devotion to the people that gathered for prayer on that Saturday morning. And all of a sudden, in my heart, I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what was going on, but something wasn't right. and in my heart i just something wasn't jiving and i couldn't figure out what it was it wasn't i was really trying to figure anything out but as i as i ministered that devotion that day the lord began to work and then as the as saturday went along and then sunday went along and as the meeting went along into into i think monday and maybe even tuesday maybe maybe we even extended the meeting a little bit through a series of events and conversations, the Lord began to bring deep, deep conviction upon the church. And come to find out, this pastor of that church was... I can't remember if he was having an affair with this woman in the church or had had an affair with a woman in the church. And it was just... And that was what I was feeling. I was so grieved in my spirit, was so grieved... And what it was, I look back later and I realized it was the Holy Spirit that was letting me feel his heart. He was so grieved over the people that are doing all their stuff and trying to act like they're serving the Lord. And there's sin in the camp. And through that, the Lord just, just pulled, the, pulled the blinders off, I guess you would say. And the Lord brought such deep conviction that, that actually the pastor resigned the church. And that's not a good meeting. When you go to a meeting and the pastor resigns the church, you're, you're hoping for a revival. But, but, but I believe that through that, God saved that pastor's life and actually saved his ministry through a gift of the word of knowledge. I knew something wasn't right. And I told the pastor, something's not right here, pastor. And I began to tell him kind of some stuff. I won't go into all that. And come to find out, he was the guy. He was the guy, isn't that something? That pastor resigned. He repented. He went to his presbyter there. He humbled himself completely. Told everything that had been going on. Resigned the church, and got right with God. I mean, you know, that's 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 the most important thing. How I many know oh, God can read the heart, man's hearts? Now, that's happened to me many times in my life, of things that God will show me. And sometimes I don't know what they are. I'll say, Lord, what, is, what am I feeling right now? Why do I feel this way? What is going on? And sometimes the Lord will show you something about a situation or even a person at times, and all he wants you to do is pray. But he reveals things to you. And that's just one instance. I believe that was a word of knowledge probably mixed in maybe some discerning of spirit. I don't know. But I know my heart was so grieved. and and But see, God, what did the Lord do? He did what he wanted. He brought repentance to the church. And now uh, I'd heard later that pastor was, was restored back to the ministry and serving the Lord now. Isn't that a beautiful story? That, that God restores. But he had, to, he had to bring humility. He had to bring repentance to this guy. He had to confess to his wife had to confess to the other gentleman's husband, and and they had to get it right. They had to get right with God. You can't serve the Lord that way. But the Lord brought purity. And you remember, let's stand together. The Holy Spirit is holy. Amen? Amen? The Holy Spirit is holy. And He wants us to be clean before Him. And so instead of being a judgment, what that was, that was a mercy. That was a mercy of the Lord. You know, one of the prayers that I've prayed several times in my life, and I think you should pray it too, Lord, save me from myself. You know, we need to be rescued from our own foolishness. And what that was for that pastor, I remember his first name. His name was Jamie. For Brother Jamie, God sent a pastor from Texas to go to that church and to be enough, full of enough of the Holy Spirit that I could sense in my heart that God was grieved. And I prayed, and and he was humble enough to admit what he had done and resigned his church, but later God restored him back. Thank God that God can restore. But what we need in this church, and I'm, I'm feeling in my heart very strongly, God is going to begin to pour out gifts of the Spirit. We're going to begin to get hungry. We're going to begin to see more of the manifestation of the great Holy Spirit of God, God's Spirit among us. I want that so much. I want that so much. I want our boys and girls to experience the power of God, of the Holy Ghost of God, to know that He is a living God. Let me conclude in prayer. Father, how grateful we are for these thoughts, these brief thoughts about Your presence, these principles that You've given us about the kingdom of God and how You are and who You are and how You work and how You operate among us. Father, I pray tonight, you said ask for the gifts and pray for the gifts. I pray that each person in this room would begin to experience, Lord, your Spirit and anointing them and to manifest your presence in and through this ministry that we can be used by you, Father. There's a hurting world and there's hurting people, and we need to be a Spirit-filled church sitting on this hill proclaiming the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father... That each one of us would desire spiritual gifts and we would desire the greater gifts. Those gifts that bring maximum healing and bring maximum encouragement and bring maximum glory to God. Lord, we don't deserve these gifts and it doesn't mean that, a per- that we're spiritual if we're used this way. It simply means that you decided to do something and use simple vessels. And we want to bring you all the honor and the glory for it i pray for every need that's here this evening i pray you would bless your people with love and grace we once again pray for our kids jim may you bless it abundantly and may many young boys and girls come to a saving knowledge of jesus christ and for this we ask in that precious name of jesus amen god bless each of you tonight